In this week's update, it's a three-legged race in full swing. Central banks have changed the landscape significantly and precious metals now getting into stride. My name's Gary Davis. As always, this is general advice only. And please remember to like and subscribe to the video. All right, let's start with the general market perspective. Uh, New Year and there have been some significant changes. I want to talk about being consistently on the right side of the market because bear markets are always challenging. The conditions change abruptly. Um, the, the price trends change abruptly. There's poor sentiment and it can just get you down if, if you let it. But to negotiate these sort of markets successfully and profitably, it just requires a bit of a shift in thinking and a bit of a shift in process. It's not a lot, it's not a big change, but it's enough to make a huge difference to your results. The key is being attuned to the looming changes in direction and, and evidence um, or avoidance of the, the crowded consensus trade. You know, that, that's the most important thing. So how does one achieve that? How does one stay on the right side of the market more often than not? You know, no one can do it completely, but more often than not is what we're after. Well, to me, there's, there's two courses of action. One is you've either got to be across the market pretty much 24-7, and you've got to have an open mind so that you don't get caught going in one direction and you, and you can't see the change. Well, the second thing is, and this will apply to most people, is you've got to tap into someone who is. Because if you're not across the market and you're trying to do it just, you know, with a little bit here and there uh, while you, you know, you do your day job or look after your family, um, you're just going to come up with the wrong picture. You're going to end up doing things at the wrong extremes because it's flicking from one extreme to the next, you know, pretty readily. So they're the, they're the two alternatives. Now, all we've got in the market is is probabilities. We don't have any absolutes. We just try to be right as much of the time as we can. And if we can get seven out of 10, you know, that's that's good. That's really good. If you get eight out of 10, that's fantastic. So it's just a game of probabilities. And for people that have watched these, you know, videos for any length of time, know that I, I don't subscribe to the logical conclusion. The logical conclusion gives you the wrong answer, um, certainly more than 50% of the time. Um, but I do pay attention to the to the bigger picture fundamentals when they're somewhat contrarian. And right now, there you know there is no clear consensus on whether we're going to have a recession in 2023 or not. A lot of people think we are, but equally a lot of people are still thinking that there's going to be a soft landing and we can start buying the dips um, in the general market again. Um, I'm, I'm not you know I'm I'm not so sure about that enough to factor that into my base case. But look, at the end of the day, as always, I'm, I'm guided by what the charts are saying and being open-minded by what the charts are saying. The outlook has changed quite significantly from, I think it was December 16, when the Fed had the opportunity to, um, you know, to lighten off, take a couple of months off raising rates and just see what was going to happen in the economy. And they didn't do it. They declined to do it. And that is a significant change. And it's something that we haven't seen probably in nearly four decades since, um, you know, since the 80s when, you know, Paul Volcker really set out to crush inflation and succeeded. Um, so this is a this is a big time change. The fact that the Fed had ample data, ample opportunity to do it and they didn't take it. And we've got other central banks uh, joining in as well. So it would appear that inflation is the number one target. And if a recession comes from that, from that fight, then so be it. Um, so they've changed the game. 
And we've just got to factor that in. Um, so my view now of 2023 is different from what it was three, four weeks ago. You've just, you've just got to recognise the change and, and go with it. So I believe now that a recession in most countries around the world is now a higher probability. I'm not saying it will happen, but it's a high enough probability for that to be my base case. And almost with 100% correlation, earnings tend to fall, US earnings tend to fall in recessions. Um, and so therefore, it's highly likely that we've, that the current forecasts for US earnings stocks for the S&P 500 are way too low. I'm uh, oh, sorry, are way too high. Um, because what is factored in at the moment is earnings per share growth of about 7 to 9%. That's what the bulk of analysts are projecting. And that's just going to be too high if indeed we do get a recession. So um, that means that the S&P, which, you know, in, in the real boom times was trading on a P of 24 or so, it's now down to about 18. It could come down to, you know, maybe more like 15. Um, and that raises the probability of a real double whammy effect on share prices. That, that is now uncomfortably high. And what I mean by a double whammy effect is that the E in the PE contracts and, and could contract, obviously, you know, it's gonna be stock dependent, but as a general statement, could contract quite a bit. Um, but also then the market says, well, if the earnings are gonna be that much lower, then I don't wanna pay 18 times PE, I only wanna pay 15. So both of those factors drag on the share price together and they produce an outsized effect to the downside. That's what I mean by the double whammy effect. And it can be quite dramatic and it can lead to share price falls of 20, 30, 40% without too much difficulty. So that's, that's how I see things, I'm afraid. Um, but look, I'm still as enthusiastic as ever because some stocks are gonna thrive. Just think about 2022, how well US energy did, how well US renewable energy did, how well lithium did in Australia. You know, there's always some bright spots in the market. So, you know, don't, don't get pessimistic about the market. There's going to be terrific opportunities. All you need to do is amend your positioning somewhat to suit and mainly to suit your psychology and amend your positioning um, and your process to take advantage of the opportunities. So, you know, it's, it's not a big deal. You've just got to shift things around a little bit. Now, I mentioned at the start, this is totally about a three-legged race. What I meant by that is that we've got the competition between the recession and the speed of a recession and the subsequent hit to profits that, that will almost certainly come from that. Uh, inflation, which, okay, appears to have peaked. Um, it's come down from nine down to seven, but two is the target. <laughs> it's still a way above that. And the central banks have now said that they're going to keep going to, to get inflation down. Uh, and the third leg is, uh, is interest rates, the consequence of, um, of the two above. Now, the big question is the Fed um, has said, you know, we, we're going to crush inflation, but will they blink? You know, will they have the courage if the economy is stalling and inflation is still high, will they have the courage to stick to their guns as Paul Volcker did in the 1980s? Um, that's the big unknown question. But the probability or the possibility that they don't blink and they follow through on this is, is high enough to take it into account. I don't think any longer 
we can assume that they will protect the stock market, which is what they've done for the last two or three decades. Now, the bond and the currency markets are saying something a little bit different. They're not embracing yields above 5% uh, for longer because otherwise um, they, wouldn't be, they wouldn't be looking as they are. And more on that in a minute. So that's the big inconsistency. Let's look at, before we get into the US market, let me just look at a couple of charts on that. Um, sorry, this is what I wanted to look at. So this is, um, this is the US Treasury yield. Let's look over the last uh, six months. So you can see we had a significant rise. We peaked in the end of October and November. And since then, we've come off the boil. We're up around 4.2s, 4.3%. Now we finished the week at, uh, at 37 um, So it's certainly not emphatically consistent with what we're seeing uh, elsewhere. Uh, if you look at the VIX, the VIX over the last six months, um, we did spike to 35, but uh, we're still down around the low levels in the VIX. And the, and the 10 year treasury, uh, the 10 year, two year spread has been negative since the middle of the year and is still very negative. So that's, that's certainly saying, uh, you know, recessionary, recessionary conditions. So the S&P gained one and a half percent for the week at the moment, given everything that I've just said and the probabilities of the medium term direction. I think this is, you've got to treat this as an oversold bounce, um, not the end of the bear market. In, in the index, the Fed position has made their has made the Fed has made their position very clear. The economic data um, remains fairly consistent, and that is that we've got uh, you know we, we've got low unemployment, and that is whilst unemployment remains as low as it is, that's unlikely to bring inflation down to the degree that they need it to be down. The only slight glimmer of hope, and this is what really um, precipitated the bounce on uh, on Friday, is that wage growth is slowing. Um, so, but look, that's one data point. So, you know, we'll need to um, we'll need to see about that. Now, the expectations for earnings season will be the you know the absolute key driver. Um, will we make it all the way into earnings season in three weeks without analysts adjusting their forecasts? In which case, this rally may continue for a few weeks. Or will analysts start to bring their forecasts down in anticipation of um, of that happening? Uh, in which case, this rally might only last for you know a few days or a week. So that's the unknown. We'll have to see how that plays out. U.S. dollar index uh, was lower, so that is you know if if the market really embraced five percent yields and above for for a longer period of time, then I think the U.S. dollar should be tracking higher again, not going down. Um, and there's the, the yield and the VIX and the spread that I've uh, talked about. So let's look at some other key charts now. Um, this is the S&P. You can clearly see we're in a downtrending channel, lower highs, lower lows. And in the absence of, you know, the Fed accommodating the market, you've just got to assume that this is going to continue to the downside. So I think that's, that has really got to be the base case now. But if we look at where the money is actually going, um, this is, uh, should we get to the right chart? That's not it, there we go. Okay, so NASDAQ 100 versus the S&P, still trending down, trending down quite sharply. Um, so no signs of a turnaround in money flows. Uh, this is small cap growth versus small cap value, not a lot of change there. 
Um, this is a weekly chart. <laughs> Looks pretty awful, doesn't it? This is US large cap growth versus large cap value is heading down quite sharply. Um, so that's not, not a good sign. Um, semiconductors, slight bit of glimmer of hope here, semiconductors versus the S&P. Um, but look, it's, you know, we need to be up above here to be signaling that, that we're out of the woods in terms of um, bear markets. So that's where we, uh, where we stand with, um, with all of the, the sector spreads. Um, you know, money is clearly not flowing back into the more aggressive parts of the market. Uh, US dollar index sharply down on Friday. So the, the market, uh, you know, that was that was a bit of a surprise. And that's really about the, the slowing rate wage growth. So the market on Friday chose it had was looking at two pieces of data, one, one which supports the Fed position and one that doesn't. And it chose to go with the one that doesn't. That might just turn out to be a temporary situation. And as a result, the Australian dollar spiked quite hard, um, partly because of the US dollar strength, but also because uh, of the China reopening and, and the strength in, um, in iron ore prices. Uh, speaking of which, if we look at uh, there's the iron ore price. In um, the start of November, we were trading at 80. Now we're almost at 120, 50% rise in the iron ore price. So that's why we've, um, you know, we've seen what we've seen in um, with the Australian um, Materials Index. Australian dollar, 68.16. Um, our index rose 1% across a shorter week, but one would think it'll, it'll kick up again on Monday. Materials certainly helped, but there was certainly some concerted global buying of, uh, of resources. And someone, interestingly, someone rang the bell on, on Friday on battery materials, particularly lithium, you know, which had been sold off for, for months. And then just sudden strength, amazing strength in, um, in lithium and in, um, and in other resources as well. So let's take, a, um, let's take a quick look at that. So if we um, look at the ASX 200, Really, if, if you look at uh, the energy sector, trending well long term, but certainly the short term, we, we peaked, peaked in early November and energy has been down uh, ever since. But if you look at uh, the materials index, you can see the strength that we had last week in materials and volumes kicking up uh, as well. So things looking, uh, things looking pretty robust there in the Australian market. Turning now to precious metals, Gold running hard again up to 1866. It is sitting at resistance, so we might just get a couple of weeks of consolidation, as often happens. Uh, but the, the Australian dollar gold price is still very buoyant, 2737. That makes it very profitable territory for Australian gold miners. And if we look at stocks, gold stocks, we are getting some consistent momentum has finally arrived. Um, been waiting for it for a fair while. But we're now getting some outperformance versus gold as well. So turning to the uh, precious metals market, uh, this is um, this is silver. You can see kicked up quite uh, quite nicely on silver. The day the weekly chart on gold here's key resistance. Last time we got to key resistance, we paused there for three or four weeks. Uh, it'd be interesting to see what what happens this time. To a degree, dependent on the US dollar. Um, but the signs are that we, you know, we may well move uh, through this level. 
And looking at the dailies, um, you can see we ran up, pulled back from it on Wednesday, had a bit of a sell-off on, on Thursday, but certainly good strength last night. And if you look at um, if you look at GDXJ, which is a global index, it's certainly broken out now and is outperforming gold. And the Australian gold sector is really starting to, to pick up some momentum. So things certainly improving in that regard. Okay, commodities. Um, copper up to 388, nickel to 1273. And we've got a very delicate situation where supply is tight, inventories are low, but we've got the possibility of a global recession. The fact that these um, metals are moving up is really more of an indication that um, that we're you know China reopening and that and that the demand from the extra demand from China will help offset the lower demand that would come from a global recession. So very interesting balance there. But at the moment, there's really no spike up in um, in inventory levels as we'll see. So the long term pathway to deficits uh, continues. Crude oil. Um, up to 74.5, but look, it's it's trending down. Lower highs, lower lows in crude oil. Um, and energy appears to be running out of energy. The selling pressure is obvious every time the oil price ticks up a bit um, into any bit of strength, the, the selling intensity wraps up. So at the moment, you'd have to say crude oil is, um, is in downtrend. However, offsetting that, is the fact, and I spoke about this uh, a month or so ago, the fact that you know Biden came out and said, we've got to rebuild our strategic reserves and we're a buyer in the market between 67 and 72. So again, that's another interesting balance um, that uh, that's yet to play out. Spot copper, um, you can see moving up towards this, uh, we've got some resistance here at uh, $3.90 and we're getting up close to that level, that's the one year. If we look at the, the inventory levels, we're pretty close to one year lows and we're pretty close to five year lows as well. Um, spot nickel chart is, um, is also heading up and there's the five year nickel chart. You know, if you take out this bit of an aberration that we had at, in, uh, in March of this year, then you know, we're, we're trading at, at very much long-term highs. Um, is the one year the nickel inventory levels still very low and the same thing on the five year. So there's, the situation in base metals is really quite interesting to say the least. Wrapping it up, um, we're, you know, we're probably going to get a bounce for a few days or a few weeks depending on how the earnings, the run up to earnings season occurs in America. Use the bounce to adjust your positioning is, is the sensible play at the moment. Um, I think the overwhelming possibility is that indices continue to trend down medium term. But of course, uh, a couple of things. Not all stocks will trend down. There'll be some that will go up. And there will also be some general short covering rallies that are very tradable. You know, some of these rallies at the index level can run 10 or 15 or 20 percent. And at the individual stock level can go much further. So, you know, there's, there's going to be no shortage of opportunities, that's for sure. Resources appear set to perform well. Um, be very careful on the trades where everybody is nodding their head in the same direction and everybody thinks that, yeah, that's going to continue to go up. So avoid the crowded consensus trade. If you get that sense that something you own is in that space, then you want to be watching it very carefully and, and putting tight stop losses on it or tight trailing stops. 
portfolio analyst last week, we covered how 2023 is shaping up and how I'm playing it. Um, and also uh, owning inverse ETFs. So you don't have to sit there and wait out the times when the market is going down. You can trade the, you know, aggressively trade to the downside with inverse ETFs. Now, it's tricky. You need to understand some things about that market. So, you know, if you're a bit of a novice or you're a bit of an inexperienced player, then, you know, you, you really do need to get some, some assistance with that on owning inverse ETFs. Uh, we also covered plenty of opportunities to watch, so it was a good session, well received. Now, coming up next week, um, what to expect in 2023 and, and how to do it profitably. You know, that, that's the key. And as I said at the start, you either need to be across the market 24-7 to get a full picture of what's happening so you can make proper decisions, or you need to tap into someone else who is. Now, Portfolio Analyst, if you haven't taken the trial, it's a $1 trial for two weeks, huge amount of information uh, in there, huge amount of education and perspective on the market, as well as current opportunities. So well worth doing if you haven't done it. That's it for this week. I'm sure it'll be uh, you know, a fascinating couple of weeks leading into the US earnings season. There is the, um, the website address and my email address, and uh, I'll be back with you next Sunday. Cheers.